three, two, one. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest. She writes as El Coyote on her blog, Hoaxted Research. It's hoaxtedresearch.wordpress.com, where she's compiled a, a voluminous amount of case files and stories regarding this event that happened in 2014 sur uh, surrounding really what it was was the release of videos involving two young children I believe they were eight and nine at the time telling a very lurid tales or telling very lurid tales about satanic abuse that was happening in their hometown of Hampstead uh, in the north of London in the UK and in my community at least the people who do a lot of research this story really went white hot. Uh, everybody was watching it, trying to ascertain what the truth of the matter was. And um, tonight we're going to talk about, talk with El Coyote, her first name is Karen, um, talk about this case and try to go in greater detail. I've done a lot of recent, recent reading and I've come to the conclusion that there's a lot more to the story than a mere um, lurid tales told by uh, eight and eight and nine year old. So Karen, are you there? Oh, yep, I'm here. Okay, good. Sorry. That's okay. Thanks for uh, agreeing to the interview. I appreciate it. So um, maybe what we can do is, is talk a little bit about yourself and how you became interested in this topic. And, mm -hmm. um, and then we can just go through the background of how this, this, this notion of the Hampstead satanic cult kind of uh, burned through the internet back in 2014. Sure. Just briefly, just briefly about myself. Um, I'm a um, former social worker. I used to work with um, adult survivors of child sexual abuse. That was my primary focus. So I came into this knowing a fair bit about the effects and, and the prevalence of child sexual abuse and what a terrible thing it can be. Um, and when I first became alerted to the hoax, what I, what I later would learn was a hoax, um, basically, my sister and I were middle-aged ladies and had started a blog together. And my, she lived in London at that time and had attended an art show. Um, one of her friends had, a, had some pieces in that show. One of the pieces that which did not actually belong to her friend, but which um, belonged to another artist, showed a baby suspended by its umbilical cord and, and crying. Um, and it was knitted out of wire, which was kind of weird and kind of creepy, but also interesting. Not sure I'd want it in my living room, but anyway. Um, so we didn't think about this too much. This was back in 2012. Um, in 2014, or 2015 rather, in February, um, we began to notice that that particular post, which had sort of sunk without a trace as far as we knew, um, had suddenly begun receiving hundreds and thousands of hits, which was unprecedented for us. We were just a tiny little blog, you know, with a, a tiny little niche audience of some friends. And all of a sudden, the thing blew up, and we had no idea why. So we went looking to find out who was looking at it, and came up with a couple of blog sites. One was the David Icke Forum, and the other was a blog called Ang Angerfan, which apparently is run by two ladies from the south of Scotland, but we didn't know that at the time. Um, and we began to look into some of the things that these people seemed to believe, which included stuff like, um, you know, the uh, world being run by shape-shifting lizards and all sorts of things, which we at the time thought was hilarious. We had no idea that the this world existed. It was just, you know, what is this? This right. is crazy, right. you know. And so we probably ill-advisedly um, wrote a blog post called... Um, what was it? Thank you, thank you, reptilian overlords. That's what it was, um, in which we basically thanked, thanked them for the, um, you know, for all the extra hits on our blog because it was a real ego booster, and that's when the death threats started, <laughs> and, and we started getting, you know, death threats and phone calls and all sorts of things. So, I became very interested in what exactly this was all about. Um, and went and looked at some of the stuff that was coming out and, and looked at the videos and went, those kids weren't abused. Like children, I, I know what children look and sound like when they've been sexually abused and that was not it. Um, and so began looking into it more closely and then in mid-March 2015, 
um, Mrs. Justice Poffley, the um, family court high, high court judge in, in London, released the um, her judgment, and it suddenly all became clear what had happened. Um, gotcha. And at that point, we began sort of meeting other people online who had come to the same conclusion that we had. And at some point, so another person, not myself, started the blog and began, you know, posting all sorts of stuff. They were feeling kind of burned out. She was, you know, she had kind of, you know, run, had her run with that after about four months because she was posting something like, I don't know, 10 or 15 posts a day, which was just crazy. You know, and so I took over, and that's how I that's how I sort of inherited the blog at that point. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So basically, it was a it was a very strange kind of organic process, but it was it was an interesting trip. And since then, I've really honed <laughs> honed some research skills. Um, and the blog is a constant work in progress. Um, yeah, you've you know, done some recent posts. I mean, even though this kind of thing went really white hot back in early 2015. There's still stories and still uh, ramifications and kind of uh, effects of the original original kind of claims are still kind of happening even to, even to the present. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Most recently was um, the trial of Sabine McNeil. Um, it was a very big deal. Um, it happened in November and December of 2018, and I attended that and and took notes uh, throughout and and basically, you know, published you know, day-to-day coverage of the trial, which was very, very... And that was in London, correct? Yeah, that was in London. Yeah. So maybe yeah. what we can do for the listeners that haven't heard of this, what's known as the Hampstead Satanic Cult uh, story, maybe we can go in detail. Really, the crux of it, or where it, the the core was, these, these videos that were leaked online, yeah. and really people, including myself, really kind of... I think there were 16 in total. Um, they mm-hmm. were compiled together. And there were, in regards to a court case involving uh, some of these principals who we, I should probably mention. The one is Ella Gariva Draper. Um, she is a Russian woman, and she was in a, a custody battle with her ex-husband. About the husband's name because oh, it's under a court restriction. Sorry about I that. I apologize. Guys. I'll edit that out. I apologize. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, let's not that, use any. Let's just use first. Are we allowed to use first names? Um, can we call him just the dad? The or dad. The father? Perfect. Yeah. The dad. Yeah, um, so, yeah I do definitely do not want to uh, step on any court rulings in the UK. I apologize. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. any, but we're allowed to use her name though, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, her name's Ella. She had a boyfriend, a relationship at that time back in 2014 with a guy by the name of Abraham Christie, uh, also mm-hmm. known as Mr. Hemp. And so, yeah. these these videos were taken. And my understanding is that they were leaked to the public by Sabine McNeil. Is that correct? Yes, they were. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. so they they were not even supposed to be public. I mean, to my knowledge, they were involving this court case. Correct. Well, yeah, okay. they were supposed to have been made public, but not in the way that Sabine did it. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so Sabine McNeil was was uh, somebody who was associated with Ella Draper, and there's other. Other individuals who kind of came onto the story as well, which we can go into in detail. But the 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 core of it was this: these videos featuring these young uh, little boy and a little girl, eight and nine years old, talking very bizarre, lurid scenarios of satanic and sexual abuse that um, you can probably find a much more in depth. I don't want to really go into great detail, but they're very. Uh, Lord and and somewhat fantastical. There's elements of them involving uh, stories that you know they were abused by a hundred people. I think that's on the video, but mm-hmm. uh, that was really how it's how the, the 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 core story started. It really started people getting very interested in this case. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> that's right. Yeah. Um, what happened was that the the mum and the dad, Ella and and the father. Um, had had a very acrimonious breakup um, after the children were born. And in about 2013, so about September to November of 2013, um, Ella said that she wanted to move to France um, and she wanted to take the children with her. Um, The father knew that if she did that, uh, he would never see them again. And so he took out a a restraining order, basically an order that said that she couldn't do it. Um, so 
fast forward a little bit to um, May 2014, the father has contact with the, with, the, uh, with the kids for the first time since last year. And that same month, Ella meets Abraham Christie. Okay. Now, Abraham has a criminal record and it has a record of having, having abused um, his own children. Um, I think and, you and said he had 30, did he have 36 convictions? Yes. Yeah, so, yes. So a very lengthy criminal record. Yeah, and he'd been involved in the criminal, you know, criminal justice system since he was a, a child. Like he'd been in um, what they call a borstal, which is like a reform school, basically. Gotcha. Um, so he uh, had attacked his teenage son. He'd attacked his stepchildren, um, beaten them until they peed themselves. That kind of thing. Um, so. He got together with Ella, and at this point, Abe was marketing himself as a nutritional consultant. Um, and he was trying to um, basically sell the joys of, of hemp um, because he thinks it's a magical cure-all. He actually has published things where he says that, it, that hemp extract can be used as a replacement for blood plasma. Wow. So I don't think that would work personally, but, you know... I'm just going to say, I'm not going to be the one to volunteer. <laughs> I won't either. Yeah. Um, so, in um, August 2014, um, Abe started calling his brother-in-law, uh, whose name was Jean Clément, and he was a special constable with the Metropolitan Police in London. Now, a special constable is not a, you know, not a standard employee. There, it's a voluntary position. And I believe they do get paid a stipend, but it's not, you know, it's it's not a huge thing. Um, they can help. They help out with the police. But mm. so Abe called this guy, and he and he said that he had um, information regarding child abuse. Um, but he wasn't saying anything specific about it. He was, you know, he was um, he was just trying to sort of tell him that he had this. And Jean Clément said, "Well, do you have evidence?" And Abe said, no, but I'll get some. Gotcha. So the next gotcha. thing we find out is Abe comes back from Morocco, where he was calling from, um, brings the children with him to Jean Clément's house on the 4th of September, 2014. And they do this long, involved video, or sorry, sorry, audio recording, which Jean Clément recorded. Um, and they talk about all sorts of just completely wild and wacky things about, you know, eating babies and, and killing them and how they've been sexually abused by everyone in, right. in their school and many people outside their school and, you know, the whole thing. It's, it's, Just they to, lay it out. Right, and that, that audio is often not listened to people who are interested in the subject of Hampstead. It, uh, it's a fairly, fairly detailed, long interview that is audio. You can find it online, but I think it's about 45 minutes in total. And, oh, it's long, yeah. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. very long. So there's a lot of talking, but there's also, you can see uh, Abraham Christie's talking with the kids and encourage them. I think there's one sequence, well, where he was having them chant, kill them, kill them, kill them. And, uh, yeah, kill the baby, kill, kill the baby. baby. Yeah. Right. So, you, yeah. yeah, so you see this. And, and then he says, I like how you, I like how that sounds. Right, so yeah, there varies odd, and also it, uh, it's also interesting in that audio is where uh, Ella Draper goes from this this satanic abuse theme right into custody. So she's mm -hmm. there's also this element where she's really focused on her ex husband, and I think that yeah. that audio is very important for people to to listen to if they're interested in getting to to the the truth of what I believe is really happening in Hampstead. Also the the, uh, when you mentioned, I think it was Miss Justice Poffley, she said in her opinion on March 19th that Mr. His, it's Jean Clement Yahiru, and she said, mm -hmm. with great presence of mind, Mr. Yahiru recorded the conversations between himself, Mr. Christie, the children, and the mother on his mobile phone. So that's a very important piece of evidence, uh, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, sorry. Now, the sad thing about that was that the police actually put it away in a locker um, and didn't bring it back out until after the investigation, mainly because I think they didn't want to um, toxify the investigation. They wanted to come into it just asking the kids what had happened and letting the kids tell the story. Um, however, at what 
Mrs. Justice Poffley said, and I agree with her, is if they had heard the video during the investigation, things might have taken a very different term. In other words, they might have arrested um, Abe and Ella right. right there on the spot. Right, good point. Yeah. So they were c coming into the investigation and there were police involved in going to Ella's house and talking to the kids and trying to trying to ascertain what the truth of the subject was. They actually went, there were, there were accusations by the children of this cult take, uh, being involved at a Christ church, church if I, if I remember. Mm -hmm. And so they yeah, actually visited the church. Mm -hmm. So they really were, I mean, according to the records, they're looking into these allegations with, uh, with objectivity and really trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, no, they did investigate the church. They they did question people. They you know they they basically, you know, did a lot of stuff that was. It has been mainly dismissed by people who want to believe the hoax um, for whatever reason, and you know that so there was actually an investigation. It mainly focused on the um, the what the children were saying, and then they would go out and check to see if what they were saying could be verified. Um, the one piece of evidence that I thought was interesting was that they took the children on a drive round to try to find their father's house, which they claimed they knew where it was. Um, it later transpired, we only found out about two years after the story first came to light, that Abraham and Ella had taken the children out the night before to try and coach them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And in the taxi... The drive, Abe said to the driver, um, you know she's a baby killer. And then he said, you know, he said to the little girl, what do you do after you kill babies? And the girl replied, I eat them. And what do you do after you eat them? I drink their blood. And what does your dad do to you? Sex. So he, he was making, him, making her go through this with the taxi driver. The taxi driver said the girl seemed really distressed and was crying. And so he called the police to say, look, I don't know what the hell's going on here, but you need to know about this. Wow. And, yeah. Yeah. So and that's so another that's, third party um, mm -hmm. objective witness to these strange things. So this Jean Clement saw that the taxi driver, but on the opposite yeah. side, there's no real corroboration between no. the tales of Abraham Christie, Draper, and the children. There's no, no, nobody's ever said anything that, you know, and you can see some of these other real, the real child trafficking conspiracies like uh, the Franklin cover up or even what's happening with Jeffrey Epstein. Is there's multiple parties, multiple people who said they were victimized, but in this yeah. case, there, there's that's an important thing to note is that there is not anybody other than children uh, making yeah. these allegations, yeah. or that made the well, allegations. Yeah, the, the social services did actually go round. We heard during the trial that the social services went round to various households and spoke to the children there to to make sure that they were okay because they, I mean, they had to do that, right? Right, um, and, that, and all. Of children all of the children expressed complete outrage and distress that their friend had been saying this about them now they wouldn't have understood of course that their friend you know that that the children had been um you know forced to say this stuff right but so they couldn't understand why she, why the why the two kids had turned on them right. um right. and and what was going on and you know they said no absolutely we're not being abused one of the children actually made a made a um, um, a statement at the end of the trial. She not in per not in person. She she wrote something and the judge read it aloud, um, discussing how it had affected her and how she was constantly afraid of Abraham Christie, wow. and you know afraid that he was going to come and kill her. Right, and there was elements you can see in the original videos that the children do have marks on their face. I think it was the young girl had like a mark. Oh, very much. Yeah. So there's not merely just emotional scarring or traumatization, but actual physical abuse. And they, the, the children, I believe, said he would hit them with spoons, that there was water torture or something like that, where they would pour yeah. water on the children. So these were not uh, hyper it was These videos were made in a hyper-coercive environment, in my opinion. Yeah. They used to get them up out of bed in the middle of the night and interrupt their sleep to interrogate them. Um, they would, she, the, the children both talked about how Abe would hold his hands over their, his, hold his hands over their mouths so that they couldn't breathe. Um, they threatened to bury the little girl alive in the desert if she didn't do what they said. 
Um, they kicked her very, very hard in the, in, as she said, in the front privates. Um, and, you know, she was in extreme pain. Um, and various other things. Like it was the, the litany of torture. It was the, the spoons, by the way, that the mark on the little girl's chin actually comes from Abraham having heated the spoon on the stove and pressed it into her chin. That wow. came out during the trial. Wow, that's incredible. Also, the children had metabolites for THC, which means that he wasn't giving them just purely neutral hemp, something he was <laughs> clearly, they were, they were being subjected to some type of exposure to marijuana. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's also and, yeah. very inappropriate. And there were other statements by the kids that, that um, Ella Draper was less than a, a, a great mother. They were hungry at school, and there were other things like that, if, I, if my memory yeah. serves me, about the thing. So, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of problems going with that. And what's interesting in their accusations, too, is that the cult, supposed cult, also involved social workers and Kafkas. So mm -hmm. it's almost like this, there was this roll call from Ella's mind of people that she was having trouble with who just yeah. also so happened to be in a very broad-based satanic cult. That's right, yeah. They, they threw in pretty much everyone that they'd ever had a beef with in, in Hempstead. Right. Um, Can you, what's Kafkas yeah. for the American audience? It's, uh, it is like a social worker group, right? It is kind of, it's an organization um, that deals, I, I, you know what, I actually can't remember what the acronym stands for, but it is an organization that helps to determine um, what happens with kids during acrimonious split-ups between couples. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so yeah. They, they were together for three years, Draper and the dad, and mm -hmm. then things went south. Um, and there was also these this achieving best evidence. There were these, uh, there were officers who interviewed um, the children and also the mother as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's right. Um, and I think it was interesting because one of the officers, so this is another party, so these are like, there's a judge, there's all these people who are having these, the taxi driver, Jean Clement, but these officers, Martin and Fernandez said, Draper told him a great deal about the abuse, but there were no tears at all. There was, he said, a distinct lack of emotion. It was just like she learned this. It was quite strange, is what the, one of the officers said. Yes, yeah, that's right, that's right. That came out in the trial as well. Um, you know, the, the thing is, a lot... What happened was that after the videos were leaked, I think people began to, first of all, they really, they believed everything. Mm. But then the judge put out her, her statement and following that, um, I think basically in an effort to have people continue to believe them, they began kind of throwing out pieces of um, police evidence that had, that had come to Ella. You know, that she would she would have received those as part of um, you know oh sorry this I, there's there are details in here that I'm neglecting one is that she um, she fired her lawyers multiple times um, so she on um, I think it was the third time that she fired this one uh, firm of solicitors they basically handed her all of her you know all of her paperwork and said oh fine you deal with it we're out of here. Which is inappropriate because it it wound up giving her all of the police documents and everything that had occurred, and what it meant was that she had access to material that ought not to have been put out into the public sphere, which she then shared with Sabine McNeil, and Sabine McNeil put out. I see, and she she was I mean I think in this last uh, court hearing that involved Paul. Paul Flea, she was absent from court, correct? So she didn't yes. even she show up to up. defend she'd herself. She'd already taken off for Spain by then. Yeah, she'd, right. she'd run out. What happened was that the police showed up at their door to talk to them about having released the videos because that's kind of a no-no. Um, I mean, children, the, the basic bottom line about the videos is children, in any case, I mean, I'm sure it's the same in the United States as it is here, they are meant to have anonymity within the right. within the you know judicial system Correct. because Correct. they're children and they don't have the you know they don't have the capacity to cope with you know giving permission to have their images shown or whatever so when the when they started doing this when they started putting out the videos um, the children the, the police rather came to visit Ella and they also went to visit Sabine 
both of them had received advance notice that this was going to happen, and they um, they basically fled. Sabine ran off to Germany, and Ella ran to Spain. Like and they literally jumped out of a window, according to. They literally did. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think there's actually audio somewhere around there, if I, my memory serves me correct. There's audio of this whole of the whole thing yeah. where they're like jumping out the window. It's crazy. Yep. How to how to how did Sabine McNeil become involved in this whole? Well, situation? it's interesting. Sabine McNeil has been involved in a number of very dodgy cases in the past, um, m mainly cases about child custody and child access. This was going to be her her big one. Um, and in the past, she had always been involved in, like the other cases that she'd been involved with, many of them had, had been about parents who had abused their children but wanted to main, wanted to keep them. And Sabine always came in on the side of the parents. That was just her thing. So when she, she ran into Ella, we're not quite sure exactly how they met, but she says that they met in the fall of 20, uh, 2014. So it would have been during the time when Ella was in court trying to get the children back from the, from police custody because they'd been taken into protective custody. Right, they were in foster uh, care for some time. Yeah, they were in foster care, yeah. And, and Ella kept basically trying to pump everyone she knew for information and was able to identify foster carers. So oh. they had to keep being switched around from one to the next. That oh, was another... Oh my gosh, you know, that's terrible. Which is really so uncaring about the children. You know, I mean, well, if you care about your kids, you want them to be, you know, in a stable situation. You don't want them to have to be running for their lives all the time. One of the saddest know? things that I came across reading through the court cases is they're interviewing the young girl and she's mm -hmm. asking them, can I stay with my foster parents till I'm 14? Like, it's yeah. just, like, heartbreaking. Like, she didn't even want to go back with this whole mess no, that right. she was involved in. And, and like, there was something in the court. They were in court for six years. I mean, you talked a little bit about it, but they've been in out seven different judges, nine yep. hearings. I mean, it's just a whole litany of these dragging these kids around who are, yeah. you know, yeah. super young. Yeah, so it right. can't be good. So, see, being no. McNeil, but was she so, known as a McNeil friend? She okay. The, no, the 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 term is a Mackenzie friend. Oh, Mackenzie, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I don't know if they actually have those in the U.S., but here it's basically a person who is permitted to sit with a litigant in person in court. Now, litigant in person is a fancy word for someone who's representing themselves and don't doesn't have a lawyer. Um, so, she was able to sit with, um, with you know, with, with um, Ella in court and provide, you know, sort of information and stuff. She didn't actually fulfill that role. Her colleague, um, uh, Belinda McKenzie, which is nothing to do with the term McKenzie friend, by the way, it's just coincidental. Um, but the um, her friend, Belinda McKenzie, was sort of the official McKenzie friend. What Belinda, was, what, sorry, what Sabine was doing was running blogs and doing investigations in the background and kind of being her, I don't know, private investigator, I guess, mm -hmm. um, and helping her get this, you know, the, the um, publication of the, of the uh, videos set up. They, there was a plan in place from the very beginning to release the videos. There are reasons that we can suspect that might have been the case. We don't 100% know for sure. Um, but it seems as though they were planning to use the videos. Abraham had this bizarre idea as I said he had some very strange ideas about the about the nature of hemp and one of them was that it could be used to overcome the effects of trauma-based mind control as he called it um, and so he wanted to basically have these children um, be like his sort of walking testimonial for how kids can get over the effects of trauma-based mind control Wow. And so I believe at the time, their original plan was to release the videos one at a time to get people excited about this idea that, they, that these children had been, you know, that had been abused in this way, but that they were recovering and they were doing so well and it was all because of the miracle of hemp. That's my, that's my suspicion at the moment. As I say, it's always a work in progress because we're constantly finding out you know, right. new things. About well, that makes case. that makes yeah. perfect sense because, as you and yeah. I talked about, I was familiar with the case of the Hampstead and 
Abraham and Ella because they were on the Ed Opperman report. So yeah. that was, um, I believe, late 2015, December 2015, after everything had happened. And mm -hmm. during the whole interview, it was so very strange because everything kept being turned towards hemp. Like, Ed yes. is trying to get to the details of the situation, and Ella Draper kind of fell in the background, and Abraham took over, and everything was hemp, hemp. And then, after that was published on December twenty second, 2015, in a very rare kind of disclaimer, Ed wrote something on the YouTube and basically said that that somebody affiliated, or them themselves, Abraham and Ella, were involved in faking comments on the YouTube channel. And oh, really? uh, yeah, so uh, I'll read the whole disclaimer. Since the original recording of this, and this is Ed Opperman. Since the original mm -hmm. recording of this interview, I've come to the conclusion that these guests are far less than credible. In fact, due to their behavior, I chose not to broadcast this interview on the 19 stations that carry the Opperman report or place it into archives on the usual podcast sites that carry the show. I only left up the YouTube recording of the show in order to maintain a record of the interview, not to promote its content or the agenda of the guests. Based upon my observation and analysis of the YouTube analytics, I have concluded that the majority of traffic and comments to this YouTube upload is artificial. I have concluded that it is the guests that are responsible for the majority of views and comments on both sides of the trolling comments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, he, he, he would comment in, you know, with about a gazillion different socks, yeah. um, which sock is not an uncommon right. thing for people to do on, on, on YouTube. Um, I get accused of it. I only have I only have one YouTube account, which I think makes me like a dinosaur or something. <laughs> <laughs> I have two, so I, you yeah, know, you're a rarity only to have one. Most people have a backup one. Um, yeah, and it was so that was 2015. And I mean, maybe going back after the, what you mentioned is the Poffley uh, decision on March 19th, which people can read at Karen's uh, website, which is hoaxsteadresearch.wordpress.com. Uh, Ella doubled down two days later and did a public YouTube statement and just named a whole bunch of names and really implicated people in a very bold manner. Yes, yes, that's right. And an interesting thing about that, um, she claimed that the children had given her those names, um, that, that basically they had somehow been able to remember um, the names, addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, workplaces, and um, the names of the nannies and their email and, um, and you know, phone contacts. Right, very detailed information for an eight- and nine-year-old, right? So, so we're, that, actu that information actually came from, you know, in school, I don't, I don't know if you have children or not, but I in do. school, the, you know, often there will be like a class mom who kind of takes over organizing things and, and making sure that everyone has everyone else's phone numbers. So this was one of those lists where um, every year someone would take charge of getting hey. the names, phone numbers, and so forth, so that if you wanted to arrange a play date with a kid or, you know, if you wanted to, um, maybe you couldn't make it to school on time and you wanted so-and-so's nanny to pick your child up instead, you could do that. You could contact them and, and say, so they knew the parents, as soon as the parents saw these lists, they knew exactly what they were because it contained the same mistakes as the previous wow. year's published lists. Wow, that's incredible. So the so-called testimony of the kids replicated the exact mistakes of earlier lists. So That's right. And But the, the ramifications of her statements were very serious because these were named names and people actually... You know, the hysteria that surround and still surrounds this case, these yeah. people were implicated in something without any corroborating information. Well, and they had no idea what was going on until February of, of 2015 either. They didn't know any of this. Um, the police didn't tell them, I think probably because they thought it was just, you know, part of a case and it was not, you know, it was, it was never going to go any further. But once it was out there, um, the... Um, the parents had to be brought into a meeting and and you know have it explained to them that this had all happened and that they had been named and their children had been named. Now, some of their children, um, I have come to know some of the parents over the years that I've been running the blog because I'd get thank you notes and stuff and would respond to those. And so you know, so I know maybe six or seven, I guess, of the parents. Um, so from what they have told me their kids be, have, had begun receiving emails from people 
asking, asking, you know, proposing to the parents that that they set them up for a date with these kids because Abe and Ella had the children claim that these kids liked sex. Wow, that's crazy. So they had like predators, pedophile predators. They had predators. Yeah, wow, they, they were that's incredible. Children predators. Yeah, so and they yeah, they would be opening their own children to the same sort of predators too. I mean, let's not fool ourselves. This is, this stuff is is you know a pedophile's night, uh, you know, wet dream basically. Well, that was an interesting point. Is like this is like, uh, yeah, like people, yeah, yeah, like the the stories of the kids would attract attract pedophiles. Yeah, it's crazy. And Absolutely. she when she when Ella made that statement, she wasn't even in the UK. She was no. in, in Spain. They're like people don't know her whereabouts. No, that's that, right. That was the same thing with Ed Offerman's interview. They called, and they people didn't even know where they were calling from. No, they they kept. It was all supposed to be a big secret. It's it's really not very, not very difficult to work out pretty much where they are. But um, she and she and Abraham have actually broken up now. They they've split up last year sometime, um, and he's gone off to Morocco to pretend to be a. I don't know, camel driver or something. I don't know. And I'm, and I'm not actually being racist when I say that. That's actually what he said he's doing. <laughs> wow. But, I mean, they never. he was never charged or anything. They want um, Ella Draper back in, but uh, back into the UK, correct? But they've never returned yes. them back to to take a look at these, you know, to, to assess what they did, the damage they've done. Yeah, it's a tr tricky situation um, because the way I look at it, and I, I, I don't know for sure whether this is the case, but my concern is that if they bring them back and, and take them to court, those children are going to have to go into court and testify against their mother. That's the only way they'll get a conviction, because, they'll, because the mother could very easily say, um, you know, um, none of this is true. My children know that I, you know, that I only had their best interests at heart. You know, they need to testify to, you know, to show the truth and that would be really reopening the wound for them um so while on the one hand i would really like to see ella come back um and i think that would be you know a just and and moral thing to happen um i also am concerned that the children might be put on the stand um and that's you know that would be a problem and they're, they're what they have to be close to 15 or 16 right now um, thir uh, twelve and thirteen now, I believe. Gotcha. Yeah, they were eight and nine when the when the videos were taken. And but so so this you know really set off this firestorm around the internet. But that wasn't the, when they fled um, the UK. That wasn't the end. There have been these uh, these other cases that involve perverting the courts of justice, where some mm -hmm. of this kind of group that surrounded this case, uh, mm -hmm. particularly in the UK, and, and actually. Uh, Somebody here went to jail. Somebody from the U.S. His name was That's Rupert. Right. Rupert Quaintance yeah. for American mm -hmm. Freedom Radio, which a lot of people who listen to my show are familiar with. Sure. Um, but maybe you can talk about this Sabine, uh, Sabine McNeil, Neelu Berry, and just what happened in court. On I mean, these people are really our true believers. What happened in oh, court on July eighteenth and eleventh of twenty sixteen? Yeah, that was that was the first sort of major trial. There had been um, other arrests and trials before that. There was a woman named Christine Sands um, who claims to be the head of Anonymous in the U.S. Don't, I don't understand how that works, but anyway. Um, she was arrested um, for basically causing a disturbance at the church um, and screaming at parishioners, um, which is kind of not a nice thing. So the, she was actually deported um, back to the U.S. There was another lady named uh, Neelu Berry. She was um, she was with Christine at the church and was also screaming at people. She was arrested. That one fell apart because the Crown prosecutor uh, basically messed up and didn't show up on at the trial, which was unbelievably stupid. Um, so so then the following year, what happened was. As I said, Sabine McNeil, the, the uh, Mackenzie friend person, um, used to run some in the in the range of between forty and sixty different blogs. Um, yeah, and she on one of her blogs, she took the witness statements that had been made about Nilu's um, episode at the church, and she published them online. 
And so that meant that the witnesses to this thing felt intimidated and were reluctant to testify because they didn't want to come to court knowing that their, you know, their personal details, their addresses, their phone numbers, everything about them was already online and that that would be used against them because people became very, very angry about this thing. Um, and especially the true believers who unfortunately were pretty much sucked into, um, I think, believing, you know, believing the whole story. So they felt in danger and they decided, some of them decided not to testify. So Sabine and Nilu were both charged with um, uh, conspiracy to commit uh, witness intimidation, um, which it turns out that the, the trial was a complete circus from beginning to end, honestly. Um, there were There were like fights in the public gallery about who got seating. There were, you know, all sorts of like, you know, skirmishes in the hall about, you know, I don't know, in the U.S. I think you can take photos in court, but I'm not sure. You have in to the, have the you, permission of the judging. Okay, well, in the U.K. it's strictly forbidden. Like, you don't even, there's big signs everywhere. It's very so wise, yeah, very wise. It's yeah. not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, so people were taking photographs of each other in the hall and, you know, all sorts of things like that. So, but, and the, ultimately, it, what, what wound up happening was that the case broke down over a couple of procedural details that were not visible to the jury. The judge decided that um, they have a halftime, um, halftime submissions, basically, where they, where they, the um, defense can basically say, I don't think this trial should should go on any further because X, Y, and Z. And that actually was accepted by the judge. Um, but at the end of the trial, he imposed restraining orders on both Nilu and Sabine. Right, like and five years restraining orders? It was, it was a lifetime restraining lifetime. order. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and neither of them could discuss any of the like, and they basically made a list of things that they weren't allowed to discuss, which I can't say because that would be breaching, you know, the court order. Um, but anyhow, they weren't allowed to, to name certain names and right. individuals, um, which, of course, they went right ahead and did. Wow. Anyway. Now it's, uh, yeah. And they were screaming in court, like the circus aspect, Nilu oh saying God. that they're responsible for baby stealing, satanic rituals and baby killing. And then the, their attorney jumps in and mm -hmm. says the same thing. So it yeah. just was pandemonium in that. Oh, in he was case. screaming at the judge. He's, yeah. The judge told him to shut up, and he screamed back, no, you shut up, which, frankly, I don't think is a wise thing to say to a judge. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can go to jail. I mean, he, I think the judge at Worsley, the guy said, you know, I should throw you both in jail. Yeah, yeah. I, I sort of have this vision of poor old Worsley at the end of that thing lying on the floor of his office with a cold cloth on his head. <laughs> yeah, probably drinking a big old pint of vodka or something. Who knows? Probably yeah, like, oh my God, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. So, But I mean, I think it's an aspect of the hysteria that's surrounding this case is that these people really believed the narrative put out by Draper, Christie, and the children and did not buried. And the, the rationale and the way that they thought and a lot of people surrounding Hampstead think is that the resistance is evidence of this broader conspiracy. So yeah, yeah. this is more yes, evidence that you, they're conspiring against the original story. Yeah. That's if you defend yourself, if, like, for instance, the fact that I say this probably didn't happen, first of all means that I'm probably very closely associated with the people who, you know, who were involved, which was not, you know, which is not true. I, I have met some of them, but I'm not closely associated with them. And secondly, it means that if you if you respond and say no, it's not true, that must mean you're guilty. On the other hand, if you don't respond and don't say anything, that also must mean you're guilty. Right, you're covering so, it up. You don't want to address yeah. it. Right. So the, the yeah. rationales that continue this hysteria and probably other hysterias involving, you know, true crime cases and things like that, they they. You know, this story hasn't gone away. It's still prevalent. Mm -hmm. and still, and There's still people around today. You talked about this one guy, Nathan Stoltman, of Lifting the Veil. He's still putting out these inquiries into Hampstead and making money off it, you know, his videos. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, and there's other ones, Alfred Labram, Lab Weber, Lab some mm -hmm. other people on YouTube really are continuing to 
to stoke the flames or feed the fire to yeah. of the story. Yeah, yeah they are. I, it's in, since Sabine's trials. Oh, Sabine got nine years in prison. Oh, I didn't know. Uh, that. Yeah, she got nine years. That was a landmark, and the the judge's um, remarks about that were scathing. Basically, when she, was this case? This yeah. was the not the twenty sixteen. No. What was it? The no, this was in 2018. 2018. This, this okay. started it on the 19th of November and finished in mid-December. I think it was the 18th. I'm not sure of the exact date. Um, and then the um, the sentence came down in January on the 9th. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and it was basically she had it, she was had been charged with four counts of uh, stalking of four different uh, families. And then of um, another 17 counts of uh, violating the restraining order, which had been put down by Justice, by, uh, Justice Poffley. So, sorry, not Justice Poffley, sorry, Worsley. of Judge Worsley. Worsley. Yeah. yeah and so, uh, but can you go, can you talk a little bit about the scathing statement uh, by uh, the judge that convicted her in 2018? Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> it was something else. Um she was basically, I think she was, you know, she, she said that, um, you know, she had destroyed the lives of a great number of people, um, she, that her, you know, she had basically done it out of ego, um, because she was, the way they, the way they looked at it in the trial was that Sabine was um, attempting to blackmail a judge, which oh. was exactly what had happened. Hmm. Um, and and the, you know the, the court does not look favorably on that sort of thing. No. Well, how was she trying to blackmail him? Um, well, it was about Mrs. Justice Poffley. What she had said was what Sabine said to the judge was, "You give back the two children of of Ella's, and we will not release the videos." Oh. Now, if you think about that, first of all, it's blackmailing a judge, but it also says that Sabine did not believe that the hoax was real. Because if she believed that the hoax was real, she would have never even thought about withholding the videos because she would have said, you know, there are all of these hundreds of babies being killed and there are, you know, small children being sexually abused by hundreds of horrible people with skulls around their waists and babies being sent in by DHL and all sorts of things. Right, at McDonald's, you know, at the swimming you know, so, pool, yeah. So I would. So there's. How would you make a deal to save two children for their mother, in order and and then and then allow all of this to continue? Right, and then allow the other fifty, all the other babies that are being shipped in by DHL to continue. Right. Good point. Yeah. And there are other yeah. kind of tells and giveaways with Abraham Christie as well that, you know, they oh, do yeah. things that's pretty. I mean, why are you running if you're so honest? Why don't you just stay? Where's the corroborating and you know information? Yeah. There's all kinds of problems. But yeah, that's uh, right. She, I mean, Sabine McNeil, I've heard some of her talks, and she is, I don't know if she continued that kind of high-level enervation or hysteria, but the way she talks, she was always... She's always on the bridge of, of yeah, hysteria. Yeah, hysteria, she's about to crack, but she holds it on for like an hour. Like, there was an yeah. in, uh, interview with her from Germany where she just, I was like, take a deep breath, and it just didn't stop. It was yeah. amazing, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's right. That's right. But yeah, and so, then this. Sorry, please continue. No, no, that's okay. Um, so yeah, the the um, when Judge Cahill, she was the judge in um, in Sabian's case, said um, this has to be one of the most serious cases of stalking and breach of a restraining order that there can be. Um, the direct consequences of your actions are that for the four families concerned in counts one to four, you have ruined all normal family life. Their children have been unable to attend school normally and are either homeschooled or have to carry tracking devices and alarms. The families have escape routes planned in case of attack. Mothers have slept on the floors of their children's bedrooms to protect them. They've had to move home. They've had businesses ruined as a result of being unable to, uh, to, to have an online profile. And as if that's not bad enough for the children, they will never, as things stand at the moment, be able to go online and put their own names in without seeing the vile filth that you have peddled over a period of years. Now that is just the beginning of her statement. It goes on, but that gives you a general sense of what she's, you know, she's, she had warning after warning. She just continued posting anyway, um, on her many, many blogs. Um, and it, when she couldn't go on her blogs, 
because she had been, she'd basically been put on bail and told that a condition of bail was that she couldn't go on the blogs. Um, Once that happened, she, as they say, kind of went analog and went to the um, meeting of the Church of England where they were addressing issues of uh, issues of child sexual abuse within the church and began handing out leaflets to people there to try and get the church in in Hampstead investigated um, which she had very specifically been told she could not do Um, so she's in she's in jail probably I guess Rupert Quaintance just got out I think he went to jail for um, he yeah he was only in for four and a half months um which sounds like not that much, but I, I understand that Wandsworth is a pretty nasty place. Um, and it's one of those sort of very overcrowded prisons. So I, I can understand that he might have had a rough time there. Unfortunately, <clears throat> he basically worked with Sabine McNeil and a lady named Angela Power Disney, who lives in Ireland. Um, and they kind of brought him over to the UK to quote-unquote investigate um, and filled his head with head with all sorts of things, and he came over very excited, and made threats about drawing blood and and kicking down doors and all that sort he of said, thing. I think he said, "I want to go the violent route. I don't want to want to kill them. I just want to beat them up all real good, scare them to death." There's pictures of him in front of the church. There was mm-hmm. he was featured in the Mirror UK, so there was a couple articles about him. So he's yeah. clearly yeah. Uh, intimidated. So the intimidation of these researchers, so-called researchers, really was real. And those are the ones that are just publicized. Because there's yeah, other yeah. videos online of people standing in front of those churches and screaming at random people. You know, oh, yeah. really, really mm-hmm. worked up. So the hysteria uh, was really uh, long, wrong-running. And it's still yes. they're still happening today. Just like you talked about, Stoltman is still publishing stuff about... Uh, Stoltman does it because he can make money at it. You know, he gets clicks, he gets, he's, they're monetized, you know, they, they, his videos are monetized. Um, some of his stuff is being taken down now, which I'm very happy to see. Um, I believe um, that YouTube is beginning to take complaints against these things more seriously. As far as I'm aware, at, the, at present, there are about 4,500 YouTube videos that either name the father or name the children, um, or have videos directly of the children. Um, and they, YouTube has, was served initially with a court order back in 2015 and they straight out said, we don't have to obey this because there's some loophole that we can get away with not doing it. Um, which makes no sense really, if you think about it, you know? No, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, uh. Yeah, it's still around. I mean, Stoltman, I think he just, you, you published something, I think, that was was posted on Twitter March 9th, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's getting videos removed, things like that. But uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, where do you, how, why do you think that, do you think that Abraham or Ella keyed into, like, they knew or anticipated that their story would really uh, explode to the, I, to the size that it came I think what happened was originally we thought that they had planned it with uh, with um, um, Belinda McKenzie and Sabine McNeil. I, given what we learned at the trial, I'm currently actually in the process of revising the the Hampstead timeline um, because it seems now that the planning was done, but it was not done with those people. It was actually done with um, a person named Brian Garrish who runs UK Column. Um, which is kind of, I want to say it's kind of like Alex Jones light. <laughs> gotcha. Right. Yeah, there are some there are some suspicions about him, his interest, and why he's involved. But somebody yeah. seemed to have known that this would be like uh, setting off like a atomic bomb on the internet, you know, like because it really did take off. And I was I was yeah. watching the videos and things like that. Um, it was interesting because. When you look at the the timeline too, you see that, and one of the things we talked about in the intro is that they just discovered this massive satanic conspiracy involving the dad and all these other people four week four weeks from when uh, they they published the the videos were published. So mm-hmm. it's that to me is very telling. Like there was no hint of all these other court cases and all the other filing in front of the seven judges, and then all of a sudden this very vivid. 
uh, mm-hmm. you know, story pops up. I think that that... Yeah, there's uh, context for it at all. It yeah. just kind of came up on the internet. Um, yeah, and it was it was billed at the time as these children were, you know, victims of satanic sexual abuse. Now, if it's, it's interesting. I don't recommend going to listen to the videos because, A, they're distressing, and B, I think it's an abuse of the children to, you know, uh, that, they're, that they even exist. But it is interesting that in none of the videos do they ever use the word satanic. Interesting. Yeah, it's, good point. Yeah, they actually, at one point, it's pretty clear that they've been told, someone has told these kids that what they're talking about is a cult, but the little girl kind of goes, this, this, um, this culture, and then she, you know, she sort of looks a bit confused, like, is that the right word? Um, You know, so, you know, but the thing is, if you belong to a cult, any, any person who has ever belonged to a cult, and you, you go and look at the, at the literature, they never refer to it as a cult because they don't think it is a cult. Good you point. have to convince that it's one. Point. Well, the other thing is that telling about the the interviews and the, the videos is they they're not knowledgeable about sexual behavior at all in those. No. They, there's all kinds no. of stuff. They say they're having it, but the way they talk about it, they clearly well, it's it's they they're not they're not describing real events to yeah. me. Yeah. So yeah, that was and they both retracted under. You know, when, when Abraham wasn't around and the, uh, I can't remember who was inter- the guy who was interviewing, I thought he was doing a great job, but at a certain mm-hmm. point they said, you know, we were told to made it all up. And, you know, they, I mean, Abraham was swearing at the girl and all kinds of horrible stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's very nasty. One, one of the things, though, that one of the big things that people get very excited about is the medical report. Right. And the doctor who did the medical report is named Deborah Hodes. Um, I don't want to cast any aspersions on her professional qualifications, but I will say that in the judgment, uh, the Poffley judgment, um, Justice Poffley comes as close as she possibly can to saying you're an idiot. (laughs) And, I mean, she did change. Hodes did change her mind, and then she had a meeting with her friends, and, well, let me update this, and then you know, uh, let me update my findings. So, you know, mm-hmm. and then she described, well, well there's c- clinical significance as a possible normal variant. So she yeah. went from yes. And that, that is a linchpin that the people who believe that, the the abuses are happening are, you know, yeah. Are, are well, one thing, yeah. Another thing that is, that, that doesn't come out in the actual medical report. Um, and that, you know, we, that we heard about during the trial was that Dr. Hodes had a two hour consultation with Ella right before the, before she decided to do the second examination. Wow. Wow. You know, she's not, that is not supposed to happen. The doctor is supposed to go in there, see what she sees, come back and report it neutrally. And just, you know, and then, you know, sort of without having any contact with the, with the parent, either parent who can influence her, her decision in either way, you know, and that is why she went back to look for a sign, which in fact, what, what, not to get too technical here, but the whole, the idea of um, looking for the sign of reflex anal dilatation, which is called RAD, um, that is actually a sign that um, has been discounted in other cases. There was a much, a very famous case in the UK, probably about 20 years ago, I guess, where that was used as uh, a sign of child sexual abuse, and it was used to excuse the mass airlifting, I guess, of children out of their homes where they had never been abused, and they later went on to sue their sue the people who had taken them out because they said nothing had ever happened to them, and they'd been subjected to all sorts of horrible experiences because the doctor was convinced that RAD was a thing. That was happening. Um, gotcha. And yeah. I think that there was something in the case files where it said, you know, there's variance in, in different tests, you know. Yeah. It didn't seem like it was 100% are, yeah. right. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, this the, you see this kind of uh, culture of hysteria around Hampstead still continuing to this day. What do you anticipate you know, for the future of Hampstead, will it just go away? Will people still reference it? I think it's, it's, I think it's going to be one of those things that kind of lingers on the, on the periphery, if you like. Um, I don't think it's ever going to completely go away, unfortunately. Um, I think that there's, 
too much out there and too many people kind of coming across old bits of hysterical reporting and going like, oh my God, right. you know. Um, and it's it's the internet. It's very hard to erase anything from the internet. That's um, yeah. yeah. One of the, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I keep writing the blog, and that is basically to show that more information keeps coming in about this case, and there needs to be some place online that says, "This is bullshit, people. You're being snowed," you know. By by the original people, yeah. It's uh, it's really a remarkable event. I mean, it's one of those things that'll go down in in recent internet kind of alternate media as uh, one of the, the the more interesting hoaxes that that people have have latched onto and and really <laughs> looked into. I think that um, if if they know the context, if they know the custody context, they've been in and out of court, that the mothers and possibly could lose custody. Um, mm -hmm. You can you see the rationale and how her relationship with Abraham uh, facilitated this story, and you know how he may have even dominated her with his kind of uh, sensibilities, so to speak. That mm -hmm. you know, I mean, but the stories themselves are way too lurid, and they're not factual. And, yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. That's the really the problem. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, they said there were eight hundred victims. I mean, if you look at this, like one of the statements, so. Are you going to pick and choose the statements of the kids? Um, I yeah. mean, it said, like, what did they say? How many skulls do you wear when she's dancing? 20. So how many adults are involved then? 400 plus. 450. How many skulls do you 20? Do the math, you know, and I mean, it's just like, come on. You're yes. saying that whole, of the entire city of Hampstead is just one big satanic cult? It's, you know, it's hard. To, yeah. That's hard. Without well, any other thing. There have been so many, there were so many things, like, for instance, that they were storing the skulls in the church in shallow drawers. Um, first of all, skulls don't fit in, in shallow drawers, even if they're baby skulls. Like, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous, some of the stuff. The math just doesn't work out. Yeah. The other thing is that there was actually, speaking, we, we were talking about Stoltman a little while ago, mm. he actually um, did a, a live interview with Ella, and he reported that she said that her, okay, now, to, for background, she had accused her first husband and her first son, her oldest son, who was from the first husband, um, of having been participants in this cult. She told Stoltman later, like in 20, 2017, I guess it was, that, um, She'd been mistaken about this, except that she'd had the children say it. So it's on the videos where the children basically talk about their their stepbrother or half brother, rather, sorry, and their and and you know his dad having been involved in this cult. And Abraham talks about it in the uh, Jean Jean Clément tapes. So it, it's one or the other. You know, she, right. she's she, inconsistent. And, right. Yeah. She's inconsistent, and she actually, it's clear that she had them make this up, you know? She basically got them to say something that was not true, you know? Was she trying to get the custody of the other, was it, what time, when did the custodial rights vacate for children in the UK? Do you know, is it 16, 18, when are they emancipated? Or That is a very good question. I, I believe it would be 18, but 18. I don't know. I, um, I know that the, the older son was past the age of emancipation he was over 18 when she named him gotcha. um but and that's how know, she got the last name draper that came from her first husband that's right that's for her, her original um, name was gariva yeah gariva, right. um karen is there anything that you'd like to add or, or anything that we missed that uh you'd like to impart in as well as just restating your your blog again yeah um basically just that um it's i i find it disturbing that people are so willing and in fact eager and eager to believe this and upset when they find out that it's not true if i were to find out that children weren't being abused i would be overjoyed you know right. um Good and point. yet when you tell people this they just they become enraged you know how could you say such a thing it means you don't believe anyone it's like no i believe children were abused i used to work with them for god's sake you know i mean that's a uh, sad tale too because kids are being abused they and are she just sucked up all this court time that could have been used for uh well yeah real court cases. time yeah. yeah court time court money and the other thing is that it 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 affects the lives of other victims because 
it it it, it affects their credibility. You know, the more people make up stupid stories about having been sexually abused by like aliens or whatever, or you know, Satanists or I don't know, all of this nonsense. The more they make this stuff up, the less credibility other real victims have, and that puts them in a bad position. You know, it's like false allegations make things terrible for everyone. Right. It's. I mean, you can look at the current events at Jesse Smollett. He made up these face fake allegations that that affect everybody else who wants to make real allegations right exactly so, so. exactly yeah yeah and it just it just makes people brush them aside and go like oh you oh, that's not real you're just a, you're just a wannabe right. but there are people really suffering out there there are children really suffering out there and they need to be helped and dealt with you know that's a great great way to end it so it's karen your uh blog again is hoaxted research it's h-o-a-x-t-e-a-d R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H at WordPress.com. People go check it out. It has tons of information right from the beginning of the case to the present. Uh, look at the court cases. Look at the Poffrey decision. Look at it all in context. And, and you also have the, the uh, you also wrote out all the things we talked about. The Jean Clement uh, audio is there too. And I would recommend That's people right. check that out as well. So very important. Karen, thank you so much for the interview. You're so welcome. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to stop that.